Hello and you're listening to FPCast, the podcast for fruitless pursuits where we bullshit about the week in pop culture. I am Luke. And I'm Jacinta. And this week we are talking about... Movies, Twist! M. Knight, he's back again. Mm. He had quite a roller coaster of a career, hasn't he? Uh, uh, yes, yeah, I think that is a very kind way of putting it. I think it's very safe to say that he's always full of surprises. Mm-hmm. You can go in expecting one thing and uh, find it to be something else entirely. Mm, and whether or not you are disappointed by that thing. You, you never know. <laughs> you never know. Could be really good. It's a it's a Russian roulette of, of cinema. Might not be. Yeah. Who knows? Uh, but Glass was very much anticipated. I got mm-hmm. to uh, check that out thanks to uh, Disney the other week. Mm-hmm. So got a bit of an early look at that. Uh, now other people have had a chance to see it, which is a good time to start talking about it. We'll be reviewing Glass. Also, we're going to be reviewing today 8th Grade, mm. which uh, is a little indie darling of a film uh, from uh, America late last year, only just recently hit Australian mm. screens. And uh, I finally got to see Suspiria, so I'm looking forward to talking about that okay. as well. I have definitely not seen Suspiria, so oh, you can... You well, can... Well, Talk about that. Do that one all on your own. Uh, we missed last week, so we've got two What to Watch challenges mm. to catch up on. It is... Japanuary once again mm. which is cool and um, there's even a, a bit of news trailer stuff uh, it's a jam-packed show and that's part of the impetus isn't it for missing a week yeah I think that uh, if we if we like uh, quite often we'll still probably go and see movies and do stuff uh, most weeks as long as there's stuff out but I think that uh Doing the show every second week means that uh, a lot more wheat than chaff, I think, would be the, the nicer way of putting it. I'd say it really depends on the time of year as well. Like, mm. this is notoriously a dead zone. Yeah. We, we've caught a lot of the stuff already. Mm. And uh, whereas, you know, there were certain times last year where one movie a, mu- a week was not yeah. anywhere near yeah, enough. Yeah. I mean, there was just so much stuff coming out. Yeah. But we do have a lot to talk about. A lot has happened since we heard from you last time. Mm. Uh, Disney live-action remakes of their classic catalogue has, has been a very uh, popular thing lately or popular with them something mm. that they're very uh, much doubled down on and um but this announcement was actually quite surprising because mm. i wouldn't have expected them to to go here um yeah certainly ag- not so soon uh, yeah a- agreed um so they announced hunchback of notre dame yes uh which is you know i guess maybe a little bit more of a cult kind of Disney favourite as opposed to a really mainstream favourite. Yeah. Um, But those who love it really, really love it. And contextually, it came out at a very mainstream time. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is something that is from that era where Mm -hmm. you sort of got Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Lion King, Mm -hmm. Aladdin, and then this. Yeah. Yeah. So it was right there and it was... um, Suzanne was telling me this. Suzanne's a huge fan of this film um, as well. And uh, so I apologise if I get any of this wrong because I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing, but it's uh, the, the same music guys as Beauty and the Beast. Mm. And basically after the success of that, it was like, you can do whatever you want to do, yeah. and this is what they wanted to do. Uh, I think it's a, a wonderful movie. If you've never seen it, uh, check it out. It's uh, a lot um, sort of darker and weird in parts. Than, like It's got a pretty heavy opening, and uh, it's got a m- great villain in Frollo. I can't wait to see who they get to play Judge Frollo. 
I mean, I think Capaldi's been the thing that's been thrown around yeah. for, a, like, a long time, yeah. even before, you know, long before this was obviously announced and, you know, even when the live-action stuff started kind of coming can back. Can Capaldi sing? Well, it doesn't matter. They can overdub him. Yeah, because, yeah, he's, he's got to do some pretty crazy songs. Yeah. His whole deal is with the um, main female lead. He's like, you, you are going to fuck me or die in hell. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty twisted. He, was, he played um, Rochelleu in a a newer Three Musketeers remake and a lot of that similar sort of energy I think so uh, I think yeah I think he'd be great Josh Gad is executive producing which has led to a lot of people assuming that he might be the hunchback I think that's Mm -hmm. unlikely just because the hunchback is a very very physical role he's like a monkey Mm -hmm. he like swings around and does all sorts of uh, crazy stuff Josh Gad should play, play the goat he's super strong Josh Gad could be the I don't know if they'll do the gargoyles. I, I don't mm. imagine they will. I, I think that'll be something that'll go on the cutting block. But if they were, he could be a gargoyle. Mm. That's a fun little role. Yeah. I mean, he could be, uh, you know, a different take on the, the jester, the one that, uh, the Harlequin guy that mm. introduces everything. But mm-hmm. I, I reckon that's made for Lin-Manuel. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. And I reckon Phoebus, which was Kevin Klein initially, I reckon Chris Pine. But I don't know if he's got a song, but if they've got Chris Pine, they'll give him a song. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I reckon that'd be pretty good as well. Mm. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about that. I think that's really cool. Uh, you know, I, I, I never would have had a hunchback in the in the day that they would do this, and, and I think it's great that they, um, that they are. Because it's going to bring that whole film back to the forefront. I yeah, thought yeah. that next on their list would be, and I'm sure it's not far off, uh, would be Little Mermaid. Mm. Especially after Aquaman. I imagine they watched Aquaman very carefully and were thinking, looking at all the under-the-sea stuff and the methods they used to do it mm. and going, you know, okay. And, like, once you see the octopus playing drums, mm. you go, okay, look, yeah. let's get an under-the-sea orchestra happening on the big screen. I want to see it. Do it. Let's talk about it, Disney. Do it. Mm. Make it. There's going to be a very small uh, percentage of the community really jonesing for a Treasure Planet live action. Atlantis. <laughs> Home on the Range. When they do Home on the oh, Range, the Rosanna Bar yeah, okay. cow movie. Yeah. Rosanna Bar. I, I don't know why. Rosanna Bar. I, I said Rosanna O'Bar. Oh. I gave her a little bit of an Irish twist. <laughs> Poured a bit of Bailey's Irish yeah. cream in there. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Mm. Can't hurt. Look. No. She hasn't had the best luck lately. Why not uh, bury your racism in in reinventing yourself as uh, the Irish Roseanne? Yeah, maybe it's time for the uh, Rosanescence. Yo, wow. Okay. (laughs) Probably not. Like, maybe I feel like Roseanne maybe doesn't deserve a Rosanescence. Well, if there is a Rosanescence, there'll be a resistance. (laughs) Yes. For sure. Yes. I think that's called the television show The Connors is the... The Resistance. (laughs) The Resistance, Yeah. yeah. Good to know who your friends are, right? Yeah. <laughs> every time they, someone they gets... like kicked her off a fucking cliff and just went, "See ya." Every time someone gets booted, and uh, I, I support them getting booted, that's fine. But um, you just think of all the people that they've worked with for so many years, going, "Yeah, we're still gonna get paid. Yeah. <laughs> we're we're yeah. still gonna go and do it." Sorry, you. but also, fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, more surprising news, and also at the same time, not surprising news. Mm. Sony not letting go of Ghostbusters. Um, still want to make that a franchise, bring it back, uh, and are doing a Ghostbusters 3. Ivan Reitman, the original director's son, is going to do it. Apparently, he had an idea which he pitched to his dad, and they were like, oh, core blummy, how exciting. Let's, uh, let's do that. There was a little teaser which showed the Ecto 1 in a barn under a 
tarp, like uh, the whole thing's been put away for a long time. And of course, this is going to ign completely ignore the idea that the 2016 all-female Ghostbusters even existed. I'm, I'm not surprised. I think the obstacles of, of going forward with that would have been impossible would have been like making a sequel to Josh Trank's Fantastic Four <laughs> in terms of the way that um, the audience has sort of staked their mm. line in the sand with that. I think it's a shame because I love the 2016 movie. Um, I think it's a shame that I'm not going to see Holtzman again, but maybe, I don't know, maybe if they can go back to basics, get Ghostbusters back, get Goodwill back, maybe there's some opportunity in the future to um, mix up some characters or mix in some characters. Uh, and, and you never know with these things, do you? Like... It could be 40 years from now and then we'll see old Holtzman come back in something because people just play around with mm. whatever. Hmm. Uh, all depends on the time. But um, no uh, information yet as to, you know, is Bill Murray in it? Is Dan Aykroyd in it? Like, what's the deal? Um, the rumours are that there's four young people that are going to be picking up the mantle and I imagine they'll, if the olds are in it, it'll be Star Wars-style mentorship. But uh, who knows? But uh, that's coming back. So I imagine there'll definitely be dudes... I think it'll be a mix, but okay. I think there'll definitely be dudes. Mm. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is the problem when we have news. Mm. I'm just blandly telling you stuff about wh wh what's been announced. That's no fun. Like, people know that. Yeah. Wh where's the flavour? I, um... I, I want to I give everyone a little bit of flavour. I want to put a little bit of uh, flavour sachet into this mix. When the, when the trailer first sort of hit a lot of people were like oh is this real or is this just like a fan trailer or or what and so i was a little bit hesitant at uh, at first but uh yeah look i i'm i'm not a ghostbusters fan so i'm not particularly psyched about this but i know there's a lot of people that have been waiting a very 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 long time uh for this film so i'm happy i'm look i'm happy for ghostbusters fans to get their yeah. their ghostbusters fix i was thinking about it though like there are so many cool things that were added in the 2016 one like the ghost fighting arsenal that comes up in that is so cool and, and all the different things and you think well yeah like it's kind of a shame that you that there were some like really cool innovations that uh mm. you know now you have to either have someone come up with it all over again mm. or you know you have to then come up with a slightly different version and yeah it's a shame that um they couldn't find a way to make it all work within the same universe but then if i was marketing this thing even though i love that film you don't want to draw any links to that universe mm. I, I, if they were smart i reckon there should be some sort of link in there you know get everyone on side but there's some sort of even if it's just the same restaurant or something that just shows you hey you know it all exists in the same place and then uh, and then who knows trailers we got the spider-man what's this one called far from, from home. home yeah yeah trailer yeah more spider-man uh, yeah i wasn't like i admit when far from home the title was announced i did not think that it was, uh, you know, going to be National Lampoon's European Vacation. I assumed he was going to be interplanetary somewhere, and I was like, oh, okay. No, I mean, this looks, Euro trip. this looks fun, but um, okay, not what I was expecting. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, it looks cute and fun, and it's just, you know. I think their marketing has been really spot on with these new Spider-Man movies. Mm. Like, I think the posters, and I think maybe a part of it is because they can lean so heavily on primary colors and mm. which is that very iconic early comic book thing but uh the poster with his face with all the travel stickers like it's mm. a bit of luggage i, I think it's really cool mm. just just uh sells it and jake gyllenhaal i fucking love jake 
Yeah, he came up and I was like, is that fucking mysterious? Yeah, and he has the fishbowl on as well. Yeah, 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 well, cool. It didn't really look like Jake Gyllenhaal at first. I kind of had to have a second uh, a second glance. I thought, oh, it looks a bit like him, but it just seems, I don't know, a bit more rugged than Jake Gyllenhaal well, he looks, normally is. No, he, he can be rugged. You watch Southpaw. The guy's a fucking beast. He's well, like yeah, a bear of a man. I know, but like even, but like facially yeah. with the beard and yeah. everything. Yeah. He's, I love him. He's a cool dude. Like mm. he's done so many interesting things. And um, I've got one for you, too. Here's a bit of flavour. Okay. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, does whatever a spider can. Mm. What about Gyllenhaal, Gyllenhaal, got his head in a villain ball? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Teach that to your kids. Good. Excellent. (laughs) Sony, if you're hiring. (laughs) I know I have a huge fuck Sony meter uh, (laughs) installed on the wall here, but... uh, It had, like, look, this is back to... Look, when Sony gets it right, and Spider-Man seems to be their thing. Mm. They're getting Spider-Man at the moment. No, not in small part, you know, thanks to Marvel Studios who have uh, sort of... Strong-armed. The, ...helped yeah. them out there. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, there's Spider-Man content. Yeah. I read... I, I imagine this rumour is completely unfounded and just internet bullshit, but I, I read the other day that, um, uh, that Fox have cancelled their X-Men and Fantastic Four stuff going forward and people are speculating that perhaps Disney and Marvel are putting the push on them to, to get those properties over. But that's been a rumour for a oh, really no, I long think that's, time. I think that's settled, yeah. Yeah. No, I think that it has... Because there's been a lot of talk about... Um, Kevin Fee just said about stuff coming forward. Mm. And I've only heard um, this Dark Phoenix movie being talked about as the last Fox mm-hmm. X-Men, X-Men movie. Mm. And uh, there was talks about uh, Adam McKay, who, of course, directed uh, Big Short and... Um, Vice and Step Brothers and Anchorman mm-hmm. uh, that he really wants to do a Silver Surfer movie mm-hmm. and there is a very prominent reference to Galactus that appears in Vice mm-hmm. uh, so yeah you just you don't know mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to, mm-hmm. to seeing what I mean Phase 4 has been kept is it Phase 4 or Phase 5 whatever the, the post end game mm-hmm. plans have been so under wraps you know who knows what will happen like we're, we're not going to we're going to have a huge news dump, I think, after Endgame mm. in terms of their upcoming schedules. Because we've been told as well, they've said that in terms of trailers for Endgame, there's going to be nothing beyond the 20-minute mark, which in itself is exciting as well. Yeah, yeah. Because you're going to go into a movie and have this whole... I have no idea what yeah. the hell is going to happen, yeah. Imagine if everything did that, had the courage to do that. Mm. Get some balls, Hollywood. Some courage me some surprises that's what i like about star wars movies there's always stuff that you know is uh left in the in the old um bombay mm-hmm. not not the place bombay the bombay of a, a plane or the something coach bombay no what but <laughs> but whereas like ant-man and the wasp mm. i'm like yeah i've seen this when yeah. i watch it i go i've seen this i saw this in the trailer mm. now i was thinking the other day if there was uh, if there was any other marvel movies that are so clearly just there to introduce universe elements as Ant-Man and the Wasp. Like, as movies, they're pretty disposable. Like, they don't really need to be there apart from introducing us to this, you know, quantum realm and yeah. and all of that kind of thing. I li- Look, I like it's the fun. Ant-Man no, movies. They've got, they got but cool people in them and they're, and they're fun, but they're not, um, but they're in- not sagas. No, they're not. They're, they're not epic uh, chapters of this ongoing... Mm. tapestry Mm. that was woven 
from the scrotum of Stan Lee <laughs> from the 60s. Mm. God, you know what I'm hoping for this year? What? You know, I know people make a lot of resolutions and stuff. I want to see Pinterest serving me less naive, sometimes almost homoerotic fan art about Stan Lee's legacy. Uh-huh. Like, so I mean, like, Hero's crying and hugging him, Stan walking off into the heavens uh, while yeah. Hero's wave goodbye, yeah. um, people talking about true heroes and stuff like that. <sighs> yeah, I you haven't know, been on Pinterest in a while. If, if like, you're not going to do that when away. Ronald McDonald dies, then mm. you don't need to do it when Stan Lee dies. Mm. I, I think that uh, last year Pinterest was all about serving me up uh, hot Pennywise art. Okay. And I, every time I saw one in my feed, mm. I would do the hide it and say, I want to see less of this. Yeah. And then I'd scroll down, like refresh, scroll down, more Pennywise. Yeah. It's just, he was the it girl on Pinterest for a while there. Literally. Um, yeah. I, uh... Yeah, I know what I'm doing here. Yeah. Uh, I, since the, you know, there's been some changes with Tumblr, uh, where you can't see arty porn anymore. Uh, which has been lovely, honestly. I uh, There's been so many times where there'd be like, I'd just be scrolling, 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 and then it's like erotic South Park fan art. And I'm like, oh, fuck, I just, I really didn't need that. You'd see Cartman's... Uh... No, and they're drawn like humans, oh, but they it... just have like little hats and stuff on. That, no, that's a, that's a like, in, that's an episode of South Park. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Where one of the characters is drawing, um, is it Yao? Yao? Y A O I? Fan art of Butters and okay. and Craig, I think it is. Okay. And uh, yeah, and in the one of the video games, you can collect it. It's one of the collectibles, uh, and it's okay. all these wonderful pictures of them kissing and hugging, and they yeah, okay. and they and they like little Japanese kind of uh, a manga boys, but with uh, hats. Okay, yeah, these aren't drawn specifically mangary, but it's... And they've got their shirts off like, and yeah, the kissing yeah. and... Tumblr really enjoyed that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's pretty good. Yeah. Well, not and a bad episode. Yeah, I don't have any of that in my feed anymore, which is... Um, in your life anymore, by the sense of it. Yeah, which is uh, not you've upsetting. Moved, you've moved on. <laughs> yeah. You know, this is a funny thing. Yes. It's a brief... Is t- it? Is it? No, no, it's not a funny... It's funny, interesting. Okay. But a brief tangent. Mm. And um, this is in support of the nerd community. Okay. And, and the gay community and the pop culture community. Mm. I, I'm watching a lot of, um, while I'm like drawing or doing other projects, watching a lot of Come Dine With Me, the BBC reality yes, thing. Yeah, yeah. And I noticed there's a lot of people posturing. Like none of their houses have anything remotely pop culture-ish in. They might mm. remove that for filming. But uh, there's a lot of going, oh, that seems like a really childish thing. Or somebody interested in this. That seems, you know, mm-hmm. we're adults. We're not children. I don't know why we'd want to do this. And there's this constant, I'm an adult. And I find it so ironic that when you see the way these people are picky eaters or communicate with each other or express themselves or have tantrums or the things that the way they talk about things that they do think are important, mm. just how childish their behavior mm. really is. Whereas I feel like I'm kind of the other way around. I'm into so many childish things. And I know I've got, like, collections of stuff and I'm really into pop culture and everything. But then I feel like I can not be a child, like, if I need to. Hmm. And can have a, have a conversation if I need to. Mm. It's um, like, sometimes I just wonder with, with people that don't have, like, pop culture interests, like, genuinely, where do you find joy? Oh, well, like, like, genuine. Like, I know people are like, oh, I 
oh my kids I'm like yeah that's cool but what's just for you and you know and it might be sports or whatever but it was, that was the same feeling when I saw the that final with you last mm. year when you look at everyone and go well there's still a lot of socially awkward socially unaware um really in love with their own opinions ironic me saying that on this show which <laughs> is all about being in love with my own opinions for 277 episodes but um but what i'm saying is we've put everything into all these little labels and everybody in their own little corners mm. but um the actual behavior that runs all the way through it is the same there was this lady that um her job she made dolls mm. and then you see the people being interviewed off camera going i think it's a uh, crazy a woman of her age playing around with dolls and I'm thinking do you think that when you go to a toy store mm. all the dolls are made by kids mm. like where do you think like adults make this stuff mm. and if you've got any sort of um interest in like for me surrounding myself with this kind of stuff is I love design like there are things where I've got no interest in the property but I just love the design mm. um I just see things and I go wow and and then that all becomes a part of what you put out into the world as well. Uh, there you go. There was some, some flavour. Let's talk about movies. Eighth grade. Mm, that's a movie. Now, we haven't talked about this. We saw it separately. Mm. Uh, so I'm very interested in what you uh, thought of it because it's actually uh, something that I really enjoyed. Mm. Uh, yes, I, I did enjoy it. I uh, had heard a lot of... Obviously, a lot of like Americans talking about it because it came out much earlier there for them and... Uh, uh, particularly a lot of American women saying that, you know, they found it very, like, extremely relatable and it made them cry and it really, you know, brought up a lot of feelings from that period for them. I was like, oh, okay, great. I'm really, um, really looking forward to it. And, I mean, I have to say, like, I'm a fan of Bo Burnham. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I love his Netflix specials and I think he's a very kind of weird and funny and thoughtful comic. And, and he th- wrote and directed this, if people are yeah, unaware. Yeah, and I think that he's done a great job of creating this little awkward 13 year old girl yeah, and uh, it's just a sort of a slice of life isn't it, it yeah it, it's about this awkward um sort of transitional stage yeah and she um it's it's a great performance by this actress there's a a lot of very specific wonderful scenes um you know, even if you may not kind of have necessarily loved the movie as a whole, like, there will be a couple of scenes that you go, oh, yeah, I really, like, I thought that scene was very strong or, or whatever. Um, I think the only minor issue, which is not the movie's fault and it's it's more me, is that I didn't kind of find it relatable at at all, really. Like, I, ha- you know, I have been a 13-year-old girl, but I didn't feel like it was... And I don't know if this is an American thing or whatever, because we don't have like middle school as such so we have kind of different um kind of structures with our high school and transitioning and and that kind of thing so i just didn't feel it was relatable i felt it was a very solid movie i liked the characters i liked everything about it but i kind of didn't get that feels from it which again not the movie's fault what what i like about it is that there's no when you think okay this is going to be this story about this 13 year old girl going through this stuff Mm you would automatically think that there's probably going to be a lot of big drama in it Mm. and a lot of big conflicts and a big problem to solve. And this is a show that, a film that doesn't have that. It doesn't have all that heaped onto it. Mm. It's actually relatively gentle, Mm. relatively small. And they're just everyday conflicts, really. Yeah, and there are moments of things which um, on the surface don't look like massive events. Mm. Like her um, Me Too kind of moment that Mm. happens in the film. Mm 
could have been taken ten times further and and, mm. and had the drama and the horror and everything of it pumped up a lot. Mm. It's it, he hasn't chosen to do that. He hasn't heaped all this. He he's shown the sort of interaction which can really, I guess, stick with someone mm. and, and make them feel super uncomfortable and mm. everything. And, and he's made it all, I think, more relatable in, in that sense. And I like that it, it's not trying to be this everyman character and, and these are the things that we all go through. I think it's a very personal mm. feeling story. And what I love about it, most of all, is that it gives us an American teenager in high school film which doesn't have all the cliches and falseness that we always see Mm. you know there are so many movies about high school which are all about hey there's the jocks and there's the nerds and and nobody does any work they just cheerlead um and eat in the cafeteria Mm. And, and it's just not that sort of film it doesn't follow any of those things it actually feels like for the first time i'm going oh maybe this is what it's like to be in american high school as opposed to all the mm. and, and as much as i know i know it's a different genre and they're doing different things so i'm not dissing like the romantic teen comedies because i know that they're made from a completely different cloth and mm. and, and they should be but it's refreshing to see something that doesn't paint that picture of high school and uh, the bit that I found, I don't know if relatable, it must have been relatable because it, it hit me. The bit that I found to be the most, oh, is when she goes to the popular girl's birthday party and she buys, gives her that card game. Mm. That just broke my heart. Mm. And the way that the girl's so uninterested in it and that mm. feeling of... Um, oh, there's a lot of cringe factor. Of like when you just are made to feel like you're behind everybody else and that you've done, you know, you've bought this really dorky thing or is at the same time you're like, but it's good, it's really, you know, if you actually sat down and played it, you would have fun, but she's, mm. they're just in a different place and mm. I just, like, felt so bad for her. But, yeah, I, I really loved it. It's a sweet film. Yeah. It's not this, you know, like you said, there's no, like, massive moments or anything, mm. but uh, I think it um, is really good at what it does. I, um, I, I tweeted about it last night and the kid who plays the... Um chicken nugget kid at the end favorite oh lovely yeah i um i kind of woke up and i was like oh i got this favorite yeah from this random person i was like oh, okay and i was like oh hang on he's got a blue tick who the fuck is this and i was like oh it's chicken nugget kid awesome. so that was exciting that is awesome i really i really appreciated the chicken nugget scene as you yeah. can imagine well yeah. you would have found that very relatable yeah it was very romantic <laughs> have you eaten um many today uh not today no no okay well it's day uh, still young it's midday so you yeah. need to get on to that yeah I'll get some on the way home. All right. Um, now, these two, you next two you haven't seen, mm. so do feel free to ask lots of questions and interject or, or try and derail me, if you like. Okay. But, I, but I saw Glass. Um, and the reason you didn't get to see it, I did get to, very lucky, uh, and it fell within my holidays to see it today, mm. um, preview screening during the week. And, God, this was a roller coaster for me. Mm-hmm. You know, like, do you ever, you watch a film and you're sort of doing your letterbox star rating in your head, and I'm like, this is a four. And then a bit later, I'm like, oh, it's a three and a half. Yeah, yeah. And then it was a two by the time yeah. I got to the end. And it was so weird, too, because I, I didn't, I think people are too influenced by reviews, hmm. which is weird for me to say while Reviewing doing a show like that. Yeah. But, but, you know, that sort of, I, I, I think I, I love Metacritic. I love Rotten Tomatoes. I'm very interested in those scores. I'm interested to see what the aggregate is, but I like to form my own opinion first. And I'll often look at those numbers after I've seen a film and, mm. and I'm more likely to see, well, how did that? How does that align with what I felt? 
And I did have that bit of sort of nervous thing. Is everybody going to like this film? And I just... I'm going to be an outlier here. Mm -hmm. And then I was kind of relieved to see it was on 35% on Rotten Tomatoes afterwards. And the guy who was sitting next to me, I didn't know who he was, but we had a bit of a chat afterwards. And uh, I was a bit relieved as well that he was like, oh, you know, what happened there? Because the first act is so strong. Like, I was really engaged with the first act. And I was thinking, oh, this is going to be good. You know, this is the movie that ties together Unbreakable and Split. And it brings the characters, McAvoy... Bruce Willis and Samuel Jackson's characters all together. I think this is a film where these actors and um, Anya Taylor-Joy, Joy Taylor, is back. Everyone's turned up. They are ready to work. They are keen to do this thing. Uh, McAvoy does a fucking great performance, as you'd expect. Mm. He's so good. He's like full beast mode. Like, I've seen pictures of him and I'm just like, yeah. Jesus Christ. And he, and he plays, like, all sorts of characters and there's lots of times where... He really is allowed to just have the camera run him mm. and you see him transition through four or five characters in the one shot. So, you know, you're really seeing him working hard. Mm. I feel as well like the audience has turned up for this ready to go as well. I feel like everybody's turned up raring to go going, okay, let's do this thing. And then M. Night himself has just completely fucking dropped the ball. And, mm. and the thing is, it's undercooked. Like, this thing is so ill-prepared. I don't know. You hear that, okay, he's been working on this stuff forever. But my, it feels to me like Split came out. It was a surprise success. He had the tie-in. Everyone's hungry for the next one. And it was just brought out to... So I would rather, mm. like, if there was a couple of years of gestation because what you quickly realise in Glass is that there isn't a story to tell. Mm. Um, you know, there's a point. We, we know they all end up in this institution together because we've seen that on the posters and the... And that section is really about 80% of the film. And it's just dead in the water when it's in that section. It's got some interesting moments. And like I said, McAvoy's great, but there's a point where you start going. Okay, I, but what I, I, Yeah, I'm seeing yeah. this. I've seen this, but it's not advancing it. Mm. Or um, Sarah Paulson's character as the sort of therapist with an agenda has these really long moments where, one, you think, like, what the fuck are you really doing as a therapist? And two you're saying things that the characters don't believe and that we as the audience don't believe, and yet he's letting these scenes just run and run and run and run. And the only hope that you have in the whole thing is that the movie's called Glass. Samuel L. Jackson's character takes the longest to get involved. You think his power is being a super genius. He's going to have a plan, and I can't wait to hear this plan. His plan is the fucking dumbest plan. <laughs> and he doesn't even really pull it off. And then the movie says, well, well no, he did pull it off because this is what he was really trying to do. Mm-hmm. And then you go, well, if that's what he was really trying to do, like there are so many logical fallacies in it. There are so many things that M. Night just says, oh, the world's reacting to this. And you go, you know the world. I know, the world would not react like this. Mm. Like... Just like the end of Ocean's 8, where you kind of, when they go, this is how it worked, and you're like, oh, oh even, did it, even less did than. It? Like, at least with that, there is some sort of, like, crazy, convoluted energy. Mm. Where they, like, there's nothing in this. It, it really, like, how off the rails this goes, and how thin it is, and how ridiculous it is. Like, how basic the plan is. How the plan basically is going to pull off something which could have been done at the beginning of the film and then how the plan is supposed to impact everyone Mm -hmm. 
is just so minor. And when you compare it to something like, um, you know, the plan in Watchmen or something like that, it's mm. so like it, it, it's a, a the. It's a fart in the wind. Mm. Uh, this is the film I'd most like to talk spoilers about because I, I feel like we're not often that critical about something and I f- have the urge when I'm being more critical to actually justify what I'm saying and to go, well, you know, because I'll tell you what, it's shot very well as well. Mm. His direction is great. Um, it looks good. It, it looks cheap, like you're expecting it to kick off and it never really does. Um, so I mean cheap in the sense that there's, you know, the... the shots and everything look great but you realize at the end of it wow there really wasn't much of this you know in terms of locations and uh stuff so um yeah there were parts where it felt like especially in the end it felt more like deadpool 2 or something but the um biggest thing that really made me cringe is his sort of meta commentary about comic books and superheroes and characters in this film say the word comic books about a billion times and it gets worse and worse <laughs> and it sounds like your grandmother talking about the internet or something mm-hmm. he posits this idea that comic books you know we think it's all just fiction but they're actually histories of things that have happened and and, and of real people that are out there like this like stories of gods in the world yeah yeah like Which mythology you, yeah. And, and i gotta spoil this but it's not really a spoiler but Anya Taylor-Joy, actually, with this in her head, goes to a comic shop, which is full of, like, obese nerds being over the top, and she picks up a comic, and then we see her pouring over it and looking at it. And she's looking at a picture, and it's just a comic, a regular issue off the rack. She's looking at a guy climbing up a wall, Uh and she's going, and then it, like, cuts the footage from Split of McAvoy climbing up the wall, and then she sees the guy in the comic book pulling apart steel bars, and she's like, and then it cuts the footage from... Um, split of him pulling apart but and then she's just like looking at it on her face like oh my god it's the same thing mm. and and then the scene ends and you go oh that was the impact of the scene and then she runs into this later scene the and she's like you don't understand like did you know that when Superman first came out he couldn't fly he just did big jumps did you know that Metropolis is actually New York oh no and this is like her smoking gun oh no so, but then he fights the whole thing. Like, you think, okay, that's what he's trying to say. But at the same time, the characters start going, oh, no, no, no. Uh, in a comic book, it wouldn't happen like this. The villain would actually have a secondary plan. So, and then, oh, no, but in comics, they would never team up like this. He, he, he's hiding something from you. And so he narrows comics down to this very Western small cliche. Mm. So on one level he's saying, no, this is about the stories of the gods. This is modern mythology. And the other one he's saying, this is pop cliche, which we can predict in a second. Mm -hmm. And he wants to have his cake and eat it too. He's playing both things. And the characters keep going... (gasps) Like Bruce Willis' son, keep running around, Dad, no, but in a com- I've got it, in a comic book, this way. And you're like, oh, no, just put an end to this. Mm. So I just got more and more uncomfortable as it went. It's a shame, I really thought I would love it. And I said, I love the setup. And then I was just so disappointed. And then Sarah Paulson's twist, the twist at the end, the, it becomes, it's embarrassing. It's mm-hmm. really bad. I have to tell you about it later. It's so okay. bad. Uh, so yes, two stars. Really disappointed. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah I wasn't that psyched. I I still haven't seen um, Unbreakable. Unbreakable. So I wasn't that like 
bothered, but uh, I think it's so bad. It I might re- hate watch it maybe later. Yeah, I think it's so it's bad it will but... retroactively hurt. Yeah. I don't think you would get as far. I don't even think you get. I think you get bored. Yeah. In the middle. Um, yeah, real disappointment. Uh, real okay. disappointment. But Suspiria, on the other hand, I really did enjoy. Uh, so this is a remake or a re. Yeah, remake doesn't follow the exact same story, but certainly the premise mm. of um, 1970s cult Italian horror movie set in a ballet school. Uh, this is about a ballet school in Berlin, which is inhabited by a coven of witches, directed by the guy that did uh, Call Me by Your Name, mm-hmm. and uh, really looks like some sort of like the film stock. The as you can imagine, like the city sequences and the architecture and everything, the architecture. Australian coming through. Yeah, atmosphere is wonderful. Tilda Swinton's playing three roles, one of which is an old man. And um, there's crazy dance sequences. And uh, it's not ultimately, I think, as scary as. I don't know. I reckon you might be able to do it. Mm. It's probably more of a gore thing. And then oh, by. No, uh, gore's fine. And I by the time. Gore. Yeah, well, we're going to get to that in a second. <laughs> but by the time that. Um, I, I found it more interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, you're sort of a bit on edge at points because you don't know what's going to happen. But I feel like having seen it. And I feel like one of the scenes that has its probably probably the most impact is quite early on. It is a two and a half hour movie. I wasn't expecting that. Okay. But uh, it held me. And I, I think it's just a... I think there's a lot in it. I think there's a lot of ideas and imagery and themes and, and stuff. And I think it's one you can really spend some time unpacking. Uh, it's one I'd probably want to go into more detail with if, I, you know, if you'd seen it and we could actually talk about it mm. because I would be interested in your perspective on it. But uh, yeah, it, it, it was good. It's hmm. uh, definitely quality production. Yeah, I've only heard good things about it, really. I haven't heard too many people and say cool that to see Dakota by... Johnson was quite good in it as well. Hmm. It uh, it goes into places that I wasn't quite expecting. I, th- I think you could go, well, you know, it, is this what I expected? Is this what I wanted from it? Uh, hmm. You know, is this the best way to do it? Uh, but, you know, it's a strong choices are made and, and, I, and committed to and you've got to, like, kind of roll with it, I guess. So, hmm. yeah, I, I recommend people having a look. Yeah. Um, if you ever do get a chance, then, you know, if it comes up as something you could fit into your what to watch or something like that, mm. I'd be curious to know what you thought. Mm. All right. Well, speaking of what to watch, we've got two movies to catch up on, and they're our Japanuary movies. So I just talked a lot. Let's uh, hand over to you for Japanese horror. I, uh, it was Japanuary for, Japan, uh, for January last year as well. And I must admit, I didn't really enjoy Japanuary last year. Uh, we started off with Anti-Porno, which was... Uh, so far away from things that I enjoy. Stylized, um, but it, it was a bit of a stretch. Yeah, and uh, even the other movies, uh, the other prompts, I didn't find things that I really loved. Like, I, I found things that I thought were fine, but I just didn't... I, for the entire month of, of January, I, I just didn't click in. So it was a lovely treat for my first two movies of this year um, to be movies that I really loved like I'm an incredibly hard marker on uh, letterbox I gave both of these four and a half yeah. like if something's nearly perfect I'll give it four um, for Japanese horror uh, obviously I wasn't going to go something like the ring or any of those like super creepy Japanese things so I had to look for something that was a bit more in my wheelhouse and I found a movie called Tokyo Gore Police um which, Which is quite a cult movie. I, I think anyone sort of familiar with those genres would know this yeah, film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's a kind of... 
it's a sci-fi kind of horror dystopian future kind of thing where the police force has been privatised. Got that sort of manga feel. Yeah, and our main sort of character is a, a bounty hunter type person hunting these these people called engineers, which are able to, if they get injured, they then grow basically a weapon from the injury. They become these like mutated zombie people with with crazy weapons. Yeah, yeah, and it is so gory and so crazy, and like the um, prosthetic effects as they're doing all this stuff is unbelievable. And like, apparently, one of the goriest ever, movies ever made uh, mm. is one of the theories. Yeah, and it's like it's kind of that that brain brain dead, dead level yeah. of like whoa, and every time. I thought this movie had peaked. It just kept pushing and pushing and just going more and more over the top. Every and time then, you think it's peaked, a guy comes out with a minigun that shoots severed fists. Yeah. And then, you know, I honestly, when I'm watching these severed fists go flying out of this gun and punching <laughs> people, I'm like, yeah. I really hope one of these fists flip the bird. Yeah. And then they did. <laughs> yeah. And then the solution to finding out how to deflect yeah. a hand that... It's just magic. ...flips the bird yeah. using a, a alien monster tongue that's growing yeah. out of your arm appendage. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I just... And there's, like, vagina monsters and penis guns and... This movie brought me joy that I cannot <laughs> even describe. Like, the entire sequence going from when the police officer goes into that kind of sex bar thing... That entire thing that happens there, and then from when him going back to the police station, that entire section has got to be one of my favourite movie things ever. Like, this movie brought me so much joy, (laughs) um, and I would watch it again in a second. Like, it was so much fun, and I spent the entire thing just going, what the f- Fuck! Uh, it's fantastic. I, I recommend it to uh, everybody. It's Every not single my person. horror movie. I'd already done mine, but you were so adamant that I watch it <laughs> that I thought when I get a recommendation like that from you, I'm gonna do it. And um, yeah, I had a I <laughs> finished, so and I was fun. like, and I was like, where to begin? Where do I even? Um, <laughs> you know what? I actually realized watching it. I, I'd seen the first uh, about eight minutes in mm. the past in my more anxiety lace days yeah and i turned it off Mm -hmm. and i was actually even worse than that i turned it off in a kind of um sort of oh you know this guy's mutilated a woman and Mm. and now she's this girl's cutting her up this is bro i don't you know Mm. this is really and and certainly if you're going to take this into a lit class and pull apart the themes and the uh, there's some there's definitely violence against women but this is a, a kids having fun movie and I think Braindead's a really good example because it's that sort of crazy genius behind it who is, wants to play around with practical effects mm. and do the most and it's just gleefully mm. and there's so did you know, like there's not much information at least in English that I could find mm. about this movie because I wanted to learn more about the process but um, shot in two weeks oh wow yeah okay. we, and because of the amount of effects and prosthetics and devices that would have had to have been made mm. I just imagine that they, they really must have I don't know how long they spent doing that I imagine there was this huge mm. sort of workshop prepping everything and then this crazy two weeks mm. and uh, you know you see that with a lot of these and it, I guess it's a I don't know how things are classified as how India film this is I'm sure it's not a mainstream film because of mm. its content but um, there's been quite a few Japanese films of this sort of genre I've seen which you know have that Almost homemade kind of feel yeah, like a low budget to it. Thing, yeah. 
because I mean like this main um, woman in it who has fights with a sword and spins around and mm. stuff it's no crouching tiger hidden dragon mm. like there's something sort of a little ungainly mm. about it like she's not super slick or anything mm. but the um, inventiveness in there and it's like it's a really pretty and visually thoughtful movie as well like I think one of my favourite shot in the movie is this isn't really a spoiler it's just kind of a side scene that happens is she's on the train she gets groped by a guy and she's like nah fuck that and she drags him off the train into an alley chops his hands off with a samurai sword and the scene of her walking away with her umbrella as with his arms raised in the air sprays fountains of blood behind her there is a huge amount of blood just heavenly and like, then, I wanted it as my computer um, screensaver. <laughs> like, it was beautiful. And the other lovely little touch is the Robocop-esque um, satirical advertisements oh, that yeah. appear, which are they usually about self-harm. Yeah, the, the, um, the kawaii um, wrist cutters. Yeah, so there's, like, <laughs> kawaii schoolgirls selling wrist cutters and cutting themselves up. And I know this all sounds absolutely reprehensible, but... Um, in the spirit of where and that guy there's that guy that's got the like harikari knife <laughs> yeah. and then he's like almost like blowing the blade he's just like but he's really over the top he's all like, like you know, <laughs> these are all these ways i can injure myself and it's like fuck what am i <laughs> watching but you know we've always said this you score a film in terms of what did it set out to do mm-hmm. and it and the you thing know, is, in, like, with, in terms of setting out to do this, it's one of the best examples. Yeah, and I mean, you look at something like Brain Dead; it slowly ramps its way up to eleven. This thing starts at ten and a half. Yeah, it just and just pushes to like twenty-five. No, it's never dull. Yeah, and it and it the pacing is so like it's bang 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 just really quickly moves on to the next thing. It is uh, quite an experience, and I highly recommend it. That name again is Tokyo Gore Police. Mm-hmm. I always say that because I, I realise when I listen to podcasts sometimes someone goes, You should listen you should watch this thing. It's and called just, yeah. And I go, I'm not gonna watch that thing. And then they talk about it for ten minutes and then they're like at a minute twelve, I'm like, Yeah, Actually, well, I, good, I, I yeah. will watch that thing. And I'm like, I got no idea what you're talking yeah. about because I, I tuned out at the mm. beginning. Tokyo Gore Police, that's what we're talking about. I watched um Narai the Curse, mm-hmm. which is a found footage style uh, documentary about mm-hmm. a guy who investigates paranormal phenomena and then uh, gets embroiled in uh, ancient curse mm-hmm. and um, possessions and uh, a lot of folklore. Um, there's quite a lot of information mm. packed into it. Uh, I'm going to keep this really brief because I enjoy talking about Tokyo Gold Police more. Um, it's supposed to be... I got it off a list of, you know, best Japanese horror movies. Uh, it certainly has atmosphere. It's kind of creepy. But unfortunately, ultimately... I came out of it going, ah, oh, yeah, you know, mm. like, like it never really had me on edge. Not mm. much does have me on edge in the horror genre anymore anyway. Mm. But I think in the same way that, like, Blair Witch does a really great, tra- and it's similar to Blair Witch. It's kind of the Japanese version, but it probably has a lot more lore and thought packed mm-hmm. into it than Blair Witch. But, like, Blair Witch is this thing that, it's a trick that you can only kind of do once. Mm. You know, once you've watched the film and you realise there's nothing, no, nothing actually that scary in it, it all dissipates. Mm. And that, that, you know, you go, but when you're watching it the first time and you're like, oh, what the fuck is outside the tent? Like, what are we going to see? What's going to happen? Mm. You're, you're terrified. But then later on you go, well, I know oh. nothing's there, so mm. who cares? And that was kind of like this, you know. By the end of it, I was like, 
yeah, you could kind of, I was always worried about where I was going to go. But the biggest problem is it's got this guy in it who keeps getting interviewed, who's this um, conspiracy theorist who is wrapped in tinfoil. And it's um, a deliberately over-the-top character. Mm. Uh, he's portrayed as a character that is, you know, beyond eccentric um, and is a very garbled kind of um, shrieking character. Uh, it becomes so hard to watch like it, it becomes this just testing the audience patience thing as he just goes ballistic constantly and you're just like you're this really awkward character and it's so affected that it's just pulling me out of everything like I'm not feeling scared I'm just going oh fuck cut to something else so yeah but uh yeah it was alright but uh I probably needed to watch it when it came out rather than now mm. And then our second week was it had to be a film starring Kiran Kiki, who is a Japanese actress who has been performing for decades. Mm-hmm. And we just discovered, well, you finally convinced me to fucking say, Google it <laughs> that she uh, actually passed away in September. Yes. Even though she um, did do a film last year, her last mm. film would have been Shoplifters, and well, she might have done something after that. I don't know. Mm. Um, but yeah, what did you watch? Uh, I watched a film from 2015 called uh, Sweet Bean. Is one of the names. There's a few different kind of translated names. but Cool beans. Uh, yeah, that's one of them. Uh, and it uh, centres on this little Japanese, uh, like, pancake, pancake shop um, called Doriyaki or something. Uh, and there's a, a guy who runs the shop, sort of a middle-aged, weary-looking uh, dude who runs the shop because he owes a debt to the owner. Uh, there's a schoolgirl who comes in and has sort of a breakfast before school, and there's an um, elderly lady played by Kieran Kiki who basically comes in and, and says, uh, look, hey, can I come and work at the shop? And he's like, no, you're, like, really old. I don't want you working at this fucking shop. What, what's going on here? And then she's like, oh, the bean paste that you put in your pancakes is, is like, not very good. I can make better. And he's like, no, oh, yeah, whatever. And so he brings her the bean paste, and and it is much better. And he says, okay, we'll come and come and work in this shop. And it's this sort so of... bean paste. Bean paste. What is it? What is it now, bean though? bean paste. And so it's this lovely... It's an incredibly gentle, sweet movie about these three characters who come together at this, you know, this pancake shop and um, how they kind of enrich each other and how they learn from each other. And it is honestly the most beautiful, gentle thing I have seen in a long, long time. Like, the light in Kieran Kiki's eyes and how gentle and... and, uh, enthused she is towards these other characters and so infectious um, that, I mean, I, I there's certain periods of this where I just fucking ugly cried through it, but I just felt so enriched by this movie after seeing it. And I was like, oh, fuck, this is so much better than Japanuary last year. So you had some real light and shade between Tokyo Gore Police oh, yeah. and Sweet Bean. Yeah. Although, yes. the cock gun did shoot out a bit of bean paste. Yeah. At some point, probably. Well, don't spoil the cock gun. The cock gun was brilliant. I watched Kamikaze Girls, uh-huh. and Kieran Kiki plays the grandmother of the main character, and mm-hmm. uh, she's not in it a lot, and mm-hmm. she plays a very affected character in that. Mm-hmm. Um, she kind of walks around squatting like a frog mm-hmm. a lot okay. of the time, and she right. has an eye patch. Mm-hmm. But um, So she's not a central part to it, but mm-hmm. uh, it's about two girls. One, the main one... Um, dresses in Lolita gear okay. in a neighbourhood which wears tracksuits okay. and they think she's weird and she befriends a um, 
biker girl in an all-girl biker gang mm -hmm. and um, they hang out and go on adventures and uh, it's an unlikely friendship. Mm -hmm. The movie's very stylized and fun, like lots of flashbacks and, and sort of fantasy things like she'll be talking about something and fly off into the air or um, her dad counterfeits designer clothes and... Uh, you know, you see them growing up, and when he farts on her, it's an anim <laughs> it's an animated um, fart comes okay. out. Mm -hmm. uh, that's that was pretty fun. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of guys that are dressed like space dandy. Ah, special dandy. One guy he shows up in a pachinko place, and he's got the um, you know the jacket and everything, and he's got the mm -hmm. big Elvis front oh, roll, yeah, yeah. but it's like about literally about 14 inches off okay. his head, and he's called unicorn roll. Okay. Uh, so that's quite fun. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, there's narration. The, the central relationship reminded me a little bit of uh, Kill the Kill, okay. even. The uh, biker girl just will go from zero to screaming angrily okay, and threatening yeah. to kill her, like, mm -hmm. at any point. Um, it's, it was fun. A really colourful, uh, fun film. Yeah, mm. It was good. So mm. I, I quite enjoyed that as well. So, yeah, I'm having a good Japanuary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So our next week is a film by a classic Japanese director. I didn't actually remember to bring that up. I'm afraid I can't remember. I think remember. we're both doing the same. That one. One. Yeah. So Tokyo Drifter. Tokyo Drifter from 1966, which is interesting, isn't it? Because mm -hmm. you know when you hear. Fast and the Furious, Tokyo Drift. Mm. You're like, what strange words to put together. I don't know, cars drifting. I've played Mario Kart. I get mm. it. But uh, I, I'd be very surprised if it's not derived from this. Because mm. uh, Tokyo Drifter is even in the Criterion Collection. Oh, it is too, yes. I did discover that when, yeah. uh, when trying to Google to find a copy of this thing to watch. Yeah, which was not easy. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we'll be talking about that bit of 60s craziness next mm. time. Gosh, well, that, that's kind of everything, isn't it? Mm. That's our uh, show, and right on time as well. So, um, I don't know what's up next. Something. I don't know. I think it's a pretty lean next couple of weeks, so we'll have so to So, we might out. skip another one? Yeah, most likely we'll skip next week um, and then do the week after. Yeah, and come back with stuff like maybe um, Hate You Give, and there's a few things coming up yeah, in the yeah, next yeah, couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, there definitely is, yeah. I, I know, you know, the internet's probably already turned on it, but I am looking forward to a later Battle Angel mid-feb, so mm. there's a few things coming up that uh, can't see. Alrighty. Well, look, thanks everybody for listening and uh, accepting our relaxed new release pace where we kind of respond more to, to what's coming out than coming in and talking for a whole hour about I Feel Pretty or something like that. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we you can find us at fruitlesspursuits.com. You find out everything else we're doing. You can find Dungeons & Drongos, which is back for the year and going strong. And uh, links to our social media, to our Facebook discussion group. Uh, really, that would be a great place to catch up with you guys if um, you're around. And uh, all that other gubbins. And we still haven't found a new catch sign-off catchphrase for this year. Like you said, we can't force it. No, uh, no, no. It has we, to happen we organically. We have to hear it in a film and go, that's the That's one. it. Yeah. 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 But for now, tinkety-tonk. <laughs>